Welcome to the Not Your Usual Cancer podcast. My name is Lauren and last year when I was 39, I was diagnosed with stage 3 colon cancer. I have ADHD, I'm a creative type, an entrepreneur, Reiki practitioner and astrologer and I've run my own coaching business and membership for the last few years. I take a psycho-spiritual intuitive approach in all that I do and it was no different when dealing with this diagnosis. I knew that I wanted to do things my own way to self-advocate and combine alternative healing methods alongside the surgery and chemo. In this podcast, I'll be sharing what I've learned along the way and what helped me get through the really dark moments. It's not your usual cancer podcast because I'll be integrating the spiritual, alternative and creative approaches and changing the narrative on what having cancer looks like. I believe in empowering people to listen to their bodies and trust their intuition if something doesn't feel right. Let's experiment and find joy and fun again and release the heaviness that going through cancer can bring. Welcome to this podcast. So I am starting this podcast just sat in my car, um, parked up (laughs) um, away from home just to get a few quiet minutes to be able to come and do this. And I wanted to particularly do this today because it is the one year anniversary this week of my cancer diagnosis. um, And I would like to talk about everything that's happened over the last year, the lead up to the diagnosis, um, with the idea that uh, I want to help raise awareness of, you know, of this disease, of, you know, the symptoms and everything, how you can just be more wary of it. Um, And also just to, you know, my goal really is to start changing the narrative around what a cancer diagnosis actually means. Um, you know, there's so much, um, fear and anxiety and stress that a cancer diagnosis can create. And I think that really doesn't help with healing. I think, you know, the statistics are going up massively. So unfortunately, more and more of us are going to have to deal with this. And, I think, yeah, we need to change the narrative so that we can deal with it in a more um, empowered kind of way. So, okay, let's start off by telling you a little bit about me in case you don't know me already. So my name is Lauren. I am now 40. I live in Twickenham in southwest London with my five-year-old son, soon to be six-year-old, and husband. Um, And yeah, my background is uh, psychology and uh, I worked in marketing for many years. Um, I, before I got diagnosed, was running my own coaching business, helping women to set up their own businesses and helping them with the marketing and website and social media and everything like that. Um, before that, uh, be- before the pandemic, I was running a co-working club uh, so the idea was um, we had a childcare facility. So if you were a freelance or self-employed mum or parent, you could come and join and do some co-working, have some childcare and just to have that flexibility and freedom, which 
I felt was missing. So basically my my passion is around uh, creating communities, collecting like-minded people together. Um, and really in the last, I guess, well, just before I had my son, I think since about 2016, I would say I've been on this sort of spiritual journey of just really delving into who really am I? Why am I here? And what's important to me? And how can I live my life purpose? <laughs> so just, you know, the small questions in life. Um, so yeah, I guess I would describe myself as a non-ordinary in that I, you know, I do believe um, that there is more to life than we can see with our eyes, that there you know, the there is energy around us, that we are energetic beings, that we decided to come here on Earth at this time um, to be here for a reason. So, um, so yeah, that's going to be sort of be um, mixed in with what I'm sharing um, in terms of my beliefs and how I have dealt with this cancer diagnosis and what's really helped me. Um, but I do want to do it in a really um, accessible you know, sort of practical way. Um, so yeah, I'm not quite sure how to, I mean, I'm never sure how to describe what I do. I really struggle with this, especially on Instagram, you know, where you have limited characters and I just want to say, look, I do, there's so many different things that I do. Um, if you're, if you're a human design, um, or if you, you know a bit about human design, I'm a manifesting generator, which basically means, um, I have lots of different things on the go at once and I love variety. So I do find it hard to sort of describe what I do in one sentence. But anyway, I will share more about that as we go through. But what I really wanted this first episode, I guess, it sounds funny to call it that just sitting here in my car. But yeah, this first episode, I just really wanted to introduce myself, share a little bit about me and yeah, just walk you through, I guess, my journey to diagnosis. So, um, let's get let's get on with that so okay it was uh i think it must have been september 2021 uh where i started having these sort of weird crampy pains uh, and i thought it was like a gynecological thing it was in that area so i sort of started getting investigated from that point of view i went for an ultrasound um had a UTI urine test, um, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and they did find a, um, endometrioma, which is like a sort of endometrial cyst. Um, so I, I, yeah, I do have endometriosis as well. Um, but yeah, they couldn't find anything beyond that. So they just sort of said, you know, there's nothing really here to worry about. Um, at the time, my husband and I were trying to conceive as well. So I was sort of getting things investigated from that point of view because things weren't happening. So, um, so yeah, that was sort of late, late 2021. I thought, okay, there's something weird going on here. Something doesn't feel quite right, but yeah, there's, you know, I've sort of done what I can. Um, actually going back to 2019 I had seen a doctor previously about um bleeding when I went to the toilet for a number two and um yeah he just kind of reassured me that it was hemorrhoids or um you know nothing too serious because the blood was bright red it wasn't dark red so it was sort of fresh blood um so yeah I kind of thought well I've you know done all the things that I can do here maybe it's just one of those weird aches and pains that you get as you get older um but yeah it just sort of it wasn't like a really bad pain it was just sort of there um 
And I did notice coming into sort of early 2022 that when I would go for a run, um, I would get this strange pain in one particular area, not an area that you would associate with muscles or running. Um, and I just thought that was a bit odd. Um, but didn't think too much of it. And I, I remember feeling, yeah, really quite tired, but again, just thought that was, you know, I was busy doing all the things, juggling, being a mum, running a business. <laughs> um, so yeah, I just didn't kind of think too much of it. But then, um, thanks to the amazing Deborah James and then uh, a sister of uh, a lovely lady that I follow on Instagram who shared her stage four bowel cancer diagnosis and like what had led to it. And it just really hit home that she was the same age as me. I could just really, 39 at the time, and um, I could just really relate to um, her story. And I thought, okay, I need to pursue this a bit more, like something doesn't feel quite right. Um, so what I did, um, because I had previously seen a doctor and sort of been reassured that the bleeding wasn't anything to worry about, anything more serious, um, so I didn't sort of think to go back to the doctors. So I ordered an online um, test yourself at home kit by Let's Get Checked. So I, do, I am also an ambassador for them as well now. Um, and yeah, it was very, very simple. You just order the test online. Um, I think it costs about 50 or 60 pounds. Um, if you do have symptoms, you can go to your doctor and get a test for free. Um, but like I said, I, I didn't sort of go down that route because I sort of felt like I had tried that option and hadn't got anywhere with it. Um, so yeah, I ordered the test. It came a few days later. I have to say, it did take me a while to get around to actually doing the sample. So it's really not as bad as a lot of people might think it could be. Um, but yeah, you basically um, put a, a bit of paper when you go to the toilet down to stop the poo from going into the water. You scrape a little bit off, you put it in a test tube, screw the lid on very tightly and then send it back. Um, so it did take me a few weeks. Like obviously now looking back in hindsight, I wish I'd done it sooner, but um life is busy and when do you have time to stop and scrape a bit of poo into a test tube um so yeah I, I did that a few weeks later I think um in April 22 uh the results came back a few days later it was abnormal um I didn't think too much of it because I've always sort of had a sensitive stomach um IBS or you know just easily gets upset certain foods I can't eat so I just thought okay it's just sort of telling me I've got a sensitive stomach but um it did say that I should go and see a specialist so um very thankful to my husband for having being the sensible one in our relationship and having um a job that comes with medical insurance so I was able to phone up the insurance tell them about the result and um book a um, initial consultation with a colorectal specialist. So I saw her, I think it was the 4th of July, 2022. It's funny how you remember these dates. Um, and when she saw the test results, so it's called a fecal immunochemical test uh, or a fit test. When she saw the results that I showed her, she said, okay, we need to get you in for a colonoscopy. I still didn't think too much of it. Um, in fact, I she offered me a date and I said, oh, no, I can't do them because there was something I really wanted to go to that day. So and then she was on holiday. So it actually ended up being the 25th of July that I went in for the colonoscopy. 
So I, yeah, I pushed it back because I thought, didn't think, you know, I thought it was like a routine test, really. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, you never forget the day that you get a cancer diagnosis, really. Um, the preparation that you have to take to completely clear out your bowels, obviously not pleasant. <laughs> um, just like drinking very, very, very salty um, flavoured water, but the flavour is just, well, anyway wasn't as bad as I was thinking it could be um and it took quite a while to kick in I remember drinking it and thinking oh you know waiting by the toilet and then actually it was a couple of hours later um and then my appointment was first thing in the morning so the drive there wasn't super comfortable I was still feeling like a little bit rough from all of that um yeah and then remember checking into the hospital my husband was sitting downstairs on his laptop um just sort of trying to catch up with work emails and stuff and then I checked in to um the hotel room not the hotel (laughs) it felt like a hotel but it was a hospital room um as I say very very fortunate and grateful that my husband has um private medical cover so I know you know things happened very quickly and um the hospitals that we were in were very nice um so yeah so so grateful for that um so yeah I think I was just remember being so hungry because obviously you're not allowed to eat beforehand um waiting to go in and then yeah finally went in um you know you're in those lovely hospital gowns which immediately make you feel a bit weird um you know you do them up at the back and your bum's hanging out and you just don't feel great about it um yeah, and then you they give you like a sedative so you're not completely out of it. You're sort of half with it, not really feeling things properly. Um, some sort of tranquilizers as well. So you just sort of, yeah, not entirely with it. You can kind of tell what's going on. Um, so yeah, and then they, they basically put a put a camera up your bum um, and have, have a look and see what they can see. And obviously, because you've had the um, preparation that's got rid of, you know, all of the usual stuff that would be hanging around in your colon and it's completely clear and they can see if there's anything there that shouldn't be there. Um, yeah. And I kind of remember being, you know, obviously I wasn't entirely with it cause I was on the sedatives, but I remember the sort of mood in the room changing a bit, or at least I think I do. I remember things just feeling a bit serious. Um, and actually, as it turns out, the tumor that they found, um, it was about, I think, two centimeters, and it was fairly um, early on. If you go, you know, you go into the sort of, I don't know, starting bit, and then uh, I think it was about fifteen centimeters in. So in terms of the whole colon, that's very early, very early on. Um, so they must have seen it almost straight away. Um, and then yeah, they had a good old look around the rest of it while they were there. They didn't tell me anything whilst I was lying down there but really funnily enough um I had listened to the podcast with um what was it called um you me and the big c with Deborah James I'd listened to one of the episodes a week beforehand I'm not entirely sure why it's not really I wouldn't normally choose to listen to a podcast about cancer if it's not something in my life like I find things you know incredibly emotional so I don't think I would have chosen to listen to that anyway I just had listened to this episode and they were saying that 
you know, it's not a good sign if you have a colonoscopy and then um, they come into the room afterwards and they're like, have you got anyone with you? Um, because basically they want someone to be with you when they tell you the bad news. So when they came in and said that to me, I kind of thought, right, this, this is something. Something is going to happen here. So I sort of took some deep breaths. Um, I think that I was still a bit tranquilized, so I didn't don't remember feeling too stressed. Um, but yeah, they called my husband up. He was in the sort of hospital reception, tapping away on his laptop, thinking, are we done here now? <laughs> um, yeah, and that's that's when they, you know, got us to... Well, I was already sitting down. They got my husband to come in and sit down and just said, look, this is this is what we found. It's, it's a tumour. We're almost completely certain it's cancerous. Um, you know, they, they showed me a diagram of the colon and pointed out exactly where it was. Um, I think, yeah, that conversation must have maybe been 10 or 15 minutes, maybe not even that, but um, you can just remember it so clearly, like sitting on the bed, like what the bed was like, what the sheets were like, where my husband was sitting. Oh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> not something that really ever will leave you, I don't think, if you've been through that. So remember that, that was the 25th of July, 2022. Um and yeah, it, I just remember, even though I was shocked, I just felt like oh, at least we found out what it is. Like I knew something wasn't right. My body was trying to tell me something wasn't right. And finally, here it is. This is what it is. This is what that weird pain has been. Um, and funnily enough, well, funny enough now, I suppose, in hindsight, um, the tumour was right next to my left ovary. So when I had originally thought it was like a gynecological thing, I wasn't actually far wrong. Um, and yeah, there was sort of like in endometriom endometriomal, I can't say that word, endometriosis was basically mixed in with it as well. So it was like this mix of endometriosis, the tumour and my left ovary and um, the, yeah, the bit of the colon that had the tumour in. So um, yeah, that's that's kind of the diagnosis. And then after that, uh, I remember going for MRI scans, CT scans. Um, I went for a virtual colonoscopy, which is a really strange procedure where they basically um, put a pipe up your bum and blow some air up there so that things sort of get separated out and then take a scan of it. Um, and again, you have to take a prep beforehand to sort of empty things out. So it's really... Um, uh, you know, it's really not a, not a lovely process, but yeah, th that was over the course of two days. I think I was just going back and forth to the hospital for all these different sort of scans. And then um, the 28th of July, which I sort of consider my cancerversary, I suppose, was, was, yeah, when we went back to meet my surgeon that I had been referred to. And yeah, she sort of went through all of the scans with us because for those two days I hadn't, I didn't know how bad it was, like how big, you know, how far had it gone, um, had it spread. Um, I just couldn't even think about that. I was just, just focusing on, yeah, just trusting, I think, just really tapping into my faith, into my beliefs, into, you know, this is happening for a reason. And, you know, maybe that's a bit naive or a bit, overly positive but it's what got me through um so I was like yeah just immediately went into this place of like 
you know, this is what my soul has signed up for. This is, you know, part of the human experience. This is something that you can really, yeah, just have an experience with and just trust that it's happening for a reason. And that, you know, that's all you can, for me, that's just, as I say, what got me through. Um, so yeah, in, in that appointment, we turned up, I remember she was running late. So, you know, it's not the kind of thing that you just want to sit around and wait to hear but yeah we went in and um yeah she she told us almost straight away that it hadn't spread that um as far as they could tell it was just that one tumor that it was um sort of joined to my ovary that I might need to lose the ovary in the surgery and basically that they wanted to get me in for surgery as soon as possible so um they had to do a couple more scans after that just to like locate exactly where it was because they weren't sure if it was a bit too close to um I guess like the rec the start of the rectum and that means if it had been there they would have had to use robotics in the operation so they were trying to yeah just get all of the details together but in that appointment I just remember yeah just the immense relief that you know they didn't think it had spread that they thought it was operable that they wanted to get me in for an operation ASAP um so yeah that was the 28th of July and then the operation was scheduled for the 9th of August so yeah it all happened very quickly which I'm so so grateful for um and yeah I just remember that time between that you know that diagnosis and then the actual operation I just started to feel you know, now I knew what it was and I knew that I wasn't imagining it. I really, and I suppose the colonoscopy also didn't help and the, you know, the other procedure that um, probably sort of made some of the symptoms a bit worse. So I definitely, those few days between the 28th of July and the 9th of August, I really, I really wasn't feeling good. Um, yeah, just like really low energy, really tired, um, bleeding when I went to the toilet um just I think once you've had a cancer diagnosis like it's just such a shock that I think you're gonna feel bad (laughs) um well that's certainly how I reacted anyway like everyone something I've learned on this journey is that everyone is so so different so we all react to the diagnosis the medications the surgery really differently so there's no there's no comparison it's just your own your own journey um So yeah, and I think probably the hardest thing was after that appointment, then going to see my parents and telling them. It's like not something that you ever think you'll have to, you'll be the one telling your parents. You think it will be, if anything, the other way around. And I'm so glad, I'm so glad that it's not because, I don't know, I just, I feel like, you know, due to my sort of faith and belief that, I do have the the strength to get through it. Um, not that they don't, but I don't know. That sounds a bit funny, but <laughs> I'm just glad that it's yeah. I was able to sort of deal with it and and get to where I got. Uh, so yeah. So the telling them was just really really emotional. Really um, yeah, just one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Um, but yeah, we went straight there because actually the hospital that I had the appointment in was literally just five minutes down the road for my parents. So we thought, okay, let's go and do this because <laughs> they knew something was up. Um, 
so yeah, that was, that was pretty horrendous. Um, and then, yeah, it was just, it was actually my son's, uh, fifth birthday around that time. So we had an early party for him with a bouncy castle and yeah, just sort of focused on what we could do, um, having fun with him, um, lying together on the bouncy castle and just, yeah, just being together really. Um, and yeah, that I was, I do remember being really nervous before the surgery really like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's major surgery. It was a five to six hour operation. Um, it was done with keyhole surgery. So like now I hardly have any scars you can see just small ones so it's actually incredible um but yeah I remember being really nervous going in for the surgery um again had to take the awful prep so my bowels were cleared out so got used to spending a lot of time on the toilet <laughs> um yeah and then I just remember going down for the surgery on the hospital bed uh, my husband with me and just thinking you know just please let this work okay, please let the operation be successful. Um, and obviously crying a lot and just wanting them to actually just, you know, give me the sedative and give me the um, drugs that would knock me out so that it could it could just be done. Um, and then, yeah, as it's so funny when, I don't know if, if you've had um, general anaesthetic but it's like no time has passed when you wake up so you sort of blink open your eyes and you're like you think nothing has happened um or no time has passed because you sort of lose that part of your brain that's normally monitoring the time I guess um but yeah I just remember waking up and being in incredible amounts of pain and uh, I don't know if it I was sort of groaning and aching and <laughs> asking them to give me some painkiller and I don't know if they were sort of waiting just to check that you know there wasn't a internal hemorrhage or something that they needed to address before they gave me the painkillers because it felt like ages but it couldn't have been that long but yeah I just remember being feeling like coming around and feeling like somebody had stabbed me in my tummy um and then yeah eventually they gave me painkillers and I could actually yeah actually take a breath and realize that it had been okay the doctor the surgeon quickly came over and said yeah it was all okay um, I was still barely with it, but I understood enough to, yeah, that it had, it had gone okay. So yeah, I was just really grateful, but also in a lot of pain and just, yeah, very discombobulated and confused and yeah, just focusing on, okay, well now I need to heal. Um, and yeah, being in hospital, I think I was in for five nights and the most important thing is just trying to be able to go to the toilet again and that's when they'll that's when they'll let you leave basically because there is a chance after that type of surgery that you're you can go in your body can your sort of guts and stomach can go into shock I can't remember what the medical term for it now is but yeah you can you can go into shock and then you have to be treated for that so luckily that didn't happen um I was just eating like really small amounts of food small and often um yeah, in that hotel, I keep calling it a hotel, in, in the hospital, um, yeah, I, I had my iPad so I could watch um, really comforting things, things I was familiar with, films and I um, can't remember what I, 
and I know I watched Pride and Prejudice because I'm obsessed with Pride and Prejudice so I obviously watched that because I find that very comforting um and some yeah just some stuff that I had on Netflix which I can't I think it was um documentaries David Attenborough documentaries um, because his voice is also very comforting but just things that would make me feel like grounded and comfortable and yeah look I was okay um and yeah, during those days, I had a lot of painkillers. That was basically the routine. And the hospital was painkillers, um, bit of food, more painkillers, <laughs> um, having your uh, blood pressure and oxygen saturation um, and temperature taken like every two hours. Um, so yeah, that was that was life for a few days. It was the time in August in 2022 when it was so hot. It was like the 40 degree days um, and the hospital didn't have any air conditioning. So they got in a couple of fans in my room, but yeah, it was just, I couldn't open the blinds cause the sun was just so powerful. So it was like really, really hot. Um, and yeah, I just remember, yeah, lying there in very light pajamas on the bed, just, yeah, trying to trying to heal myself. Um, I took with me into the hospital all my essential oils, um, some crystals, uh, I think some leaves that I had gathered from our garden. So just things that would make me feel like, yeah, like focused on my healing and just attracting in all of the positive vibes that I could do. Um, and I made some sprays as well by mixing essential oil and water and was spraying them on around me and on me and the nurses said that my room always smelled really lovely so um <laughs> it, it helps I think rather than having that like hospital disinfectant smell um so for me like rather than essential oils I just love a spray I love just spritzing myself in um you know like lavender or like a serene blend mix or um yeah there's just these ones that I love and I don't know yeah just the power of scent is so so goes so deep into your brain so that really helped um yeah and then when I did eventually manage to go to the toilet again that was like a major achievement that nurses were very happy for me and then that basically meant that you know things were sort of working okay and that I was able to go home so I think the day after that I went home um and yeah then it was uh having the uh, injections every day to stop um, your any blood clots post-surgery so you do that for I think it was four weeks or 30 days so um, I got really used to having injections they they were a little bit painful but once you're used to them like and after having been through major surgery it really doesn't seem like that big deal that big of a deal um, and and yeah that was that was kind of how things how things went and I knew uh, chemotherapy had been recommended, so um, the results came back, I think, a few days after surgery that um, they had, it was stage three, um, they had found, they removed 20 lymph nodes and they'd found cancerous cells in three of them, so that meant that they recommended uh, preventative chemotherapy, so basically um, four cycles of um what's called capox um so yeah i knew that that was that was coming um but yeah that didn't start for a while i'll talk about that in a separate episode um because that's a whole other story in itself um chemotherapy um but yeah and i just realized one thing i forgot to mention which is also quite a big deal uh is 
um, that, yeah, shortly after surgery, um, we were able to have um, fertility preservation treatment. So once I had recovered enough from the surgery, um, must have been like four or five weeks later, maybe, um, we started... um, well, I started taking hormones, uh, so again, injecting myself every day um, in order to uh, encourage my ovaries to produce more eggs, uh, which would then be harvested just before I started chemotherapy. So, yeah, we do have um, two embryos that are frozen that we managed to um, make, <laughs> I guess, um, yeah, just before I started chemotherapy. So, I'll talk about the whole fertility thing and how that's affected everything in a separate episode as well. Because again, that's an, another whole story. Um, and I didn't want this to be too long, really. Um, but yeah, just to just to really yeah give a sense of where my cancer journey started. Um, the fact that I kind of self-diagnosed myself with the online test um, and just a huge huge gratitude to Deborah James and Naomi who through them sharing their journey raised my awareness of the symptoms and prompted me to get the online test so I want to pay that forwards I want to put that out there like so this is how I I think of it right and this is what I'm gonna keep banging on about um, so we go to the dentist, right, to get dental checkups because we know that we want, we need healthy gums. We don't want unhealthy gums because then we might lose our teeth. It will cause other problems. We know that gum health also affects the rest of our health. Um, and we go to the dentist and we pay, you know, not a not a small sum or, you know, maybe you see an NHS dentist, but you take yourself off there, um, you get it done and you sort of accept that you need to do that to look after your teeth, um, And I believe we need to think about our bowels the same way. Um, We need to be more aware of them, not take them for granted, as I know I did for many, many years. Um, I personally think we should all be doing um, FIT tests, so fecal fecal immunochemical (laughs) tests, um, like at least every few years, um, because that can be the early warning sign. you know, if you did the test and it came back abnormal, it would give you an early start to do something about it because actually uh, colon cancer is really treatable if you catch it early enough. So I just, yeah, really want to put that out there. As I said, um, I used a company called Let's Get Checked. Um, So I do have a discount code with them. If you want to use them, I'll put that somewhere that you can access it. Um, But yeah, really no... um, you know, wherever you want, you can get them from chemists. Um, as I said, you can go to your doctor and ask for one. Um, I think with the doctors that you'd, you'd probably need a reason you, if you just turned up and said, I just want one just to check and you didn't have any symptoms, they might not be up for it. But um, I just think we should be treating our bowels the same way we t- treat our gums. We should get them regularly tested, make sure, you know, that things appear to be okay um you can also pay to get a more um comprehensive stool analysis done which looks at you know what's happening in your microbiome your gut bacteria um you know if you've been traveling and you picked up um some you know bad bacteria or you know i've forgotten all the technical terms of course but um 
yeah, there's there's tests that you can get done, and I I think you know our guts play such an important part in our overall health. We know that there is such a thing as a gut brain. We know that when um, things go wrong on our gut, it naturally leads to feeling depressed. Like it's just so so such a big part of our overall health. So um, that is my my shout out at the end, which I'll probably do at the end of every every episode. I get is just yeah, as Deborah James said, test your poo. Um, get things checked don't ignore your body trust your intuition if something doesn't feel quite right just really pursue to get it checked um I trusted my intuition like I I was I just didn't get things right straight away because I got other things tested but I did follow it up and I'm so so glad now that you know I could have left it for many months more easily like I didn't have really terrible symptoms it was like that sort of strange achy pain um bleeding when I went to the toilet feeling tired um which are symptoms but yeah I didn't think too much of them so that's my shout out um get your poo tested if you have any worries at all if there's any family history um it's so so worth doing it's so easy um it's not invasive it's something you can do at home if you do use let's get checked there's an app you get the results in the app within a few days it's so easy so there's really yeah, there's really <laughs> no need for people to get to um, stage three or stage four. I think we can be picking things up earlier. But yeah, I will I will wrap up there. Um, if you've listened all the way through, thank you for listening to my story. I hope you'll join me, join me for future episodes where I will be sharing more about my journey since then. So as I said, it's the one year anniversary this week. So yeah, what's happened over the course of a year, the chemotherapy, the fertility stuff, the mental side of things, um, you know, the sort of post-treatment depression, which I want to talk about. There's so much I want to share and all of the complementary therapies that I've been using, the energy practices, I'm going to be sharing about all of that good stuff. So thank you for joining me and um, yeah, just remember to get your poo tested, look after your bowels and don't take them for granted. Bye.